Welcome to the Communication 24-7 podcast, where we communicate about how we communicate. I'm your host, Jennifer Furlong. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Communication 24-7 podcast, where we communicate about how we communicate. I'm your host, Jennifer Furlong, and uh, this is another edition of Unscripted, where I have a special guest on the show with me. And today, I am very happy to announce that we have Eddie Rice with us, who is an author as well as a speechwriter. So, Eddie, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Jennifer, thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, with you being a speechwriter, kind of like you know, a, a topic that's after my own heart. Um, I taught public speaking courses for 17 years at the college level. You know, being in the communication field, so this is my jam. I really like doing this stuff. So I'm sure that I'm going to learn a lot as well. Um, talking with you as an author and as a speechwriter, and I'm sure those who are watching are going to learn a lot as well. So here's the thing. Before we get started, I just want to let the the audience know that we are live on Facebook, we are live on YouTube, and we are live on LinkedIn. So if you're watching, I would invite you to be a participant. Now, if you just want to passively take in the information, that's perfectly fine. However, you have an opportunity here. Uh, we have the speech writing expert, you know, with us. So you have something coming up and you've got a question, then please feel free to ask your questions and feel free to make comments, you know, in the chat and be a part of the show. That's why I love doing these live streams. Um, and, uh, Eddie, sometimes the universe just puts people in our path, you know, it was completely unintended. Sometimes the stars align, but today is a big day because he has a book release that is today. So we're going to get to all of that, but I just wanted to say, Hey, I think this was meant to be, I'm really glad the universe made this happen. Cause I'm excited to be a part of this journey with you. Um, so before we get started, why don't you tell, uh, the audience about yourself, your background, how did you get to be a speech writer and, and, you know, how did that path present itself? You know, how did you, how did get, how did you get to do what, what you're doing and, and end up writing a book and all of that stuff? Wow. That's a lot to answer really quickly. Yeah. 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 Was, <laughs> no, take your time. Take your time. We have all kinds of time. <laughs> So my journey starts out in college. I took a lot of classes in rhetoric and philosophy and writing. And I was also part of the mock trial team where it's kind of like debate, but except you're arguing a real case of for like lawyers and you compete against other teams across the country. Um, after college, I actually thought I was going to either be a lawyer or a teacher. And I went the teaching path for five years. And I enjoyed doing that, got involved with Toastmasters, and also decided at the same time, not that I did Toastmasters, but after five years of teaching, that that just wasn't the route that I wanted to go. Mm. So I looked around and I said, what can I do that puts my skills to use that I have? And I tried actually to be a public speaking coach at first. 
but I completely failed at that because mm. I, I didn't have any business savvy at that time in my life. I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know how to get referrals. I didn't know how to get clients. I didn't know how to do any of that. So I pivoted and instead found there were websites that were the predecessors to places like Upwork and Fiverr, places like Elance and Odesk and Guru, where people needed speeches written and they were putting postings online for them. I said, okay, well, instead of coaching somebody, maybe I could write for them. Sure enough, I pitched myself. And those were my first few clients that I got off the website and built a portfolio from. And then started asking for referrals. Finally taught myself how to put together a website, how to do content marketing, how to just put myself out there on the internet, build an email list. And from there, I just grew the practice. Yeah, that is... um... You know, for anybody who is wanting to start a business, number one, and I know this is kind of like off topic just a little bit, but I think that is a great example for anybody who wants to start a business. If you if you're an entrepreneur, to know that it takes time. It's not like you hang your sign up right, and it's like bam, all of a sudden you have this successful business. You know, no, and, and I think. Yeah, yeah. And and you are also a great example of you did a slight pivot. You were open to doing that slight pivot from being a, a coach, a public speaking coach to a speech writer. So you're you're still using the talents that you have that are connected to the public speaking world. It's just you you did a, a slight pivot. Now, are you interested in, you know, say you get a client and you've you've helped them write this amazing speech or you've, you know, written the speech for them, but they're the ones who still have to deliver it, right? So do you do you do coaching occasionally? I do occasionally. Um, we'll get onto Zoom and we'll run the speech multiple times. I'll give feedback and help them out. It's just, it's interesting. What I've discovered about people is they kind of just want things done for them in the business world. Anytime <laughs> yeah. you provide a turnkey solution to somebody, they're they're much better at, at buying something from you than... An, I, I know there are coaches out there that have really great ongoing coaching services. But for me, right. I found providing just a simple product for somebody was just a far better use of everyone's time. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. going back to your question, I can coach people for public speaking and also refer people out to other coaches that I know that that make it their one thing that they do. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that as well, because as, as someone who goes into different organizations, you know, and offer workshops and seminars, you have this community of, of coaches and trainers, you know, that you develop these relationships with. And it's so important to have that sense of community because I, I think you're right. I do the same thing. I might be approached by an organization or someone who's thinking about getting some coaching. And then after a conversation, I realize, you know, I'm probably not the right fit, you know, with what you're trying to accomplish. So, but there's so-and-so over here that would do, do a much better job, you know, with, with this particular client than, than myself. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're also, you know, in that same mindset because, I think being willing to do what's best for your client um, says a lot about you and, and your ethics, but that you just want what's best for them. You know, you're not just out here to make a buck and move on to the next thing. Um, that's that's 100%. Thing. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. It's about yeah. serving the client the best you can and doing the best job for them and finding the right fit. There have been speeches that I can't write, that I don't have the knowledge, or okay. you know, I just simply don't mm-hmm. agree with the uh, way the person's going about it. And yeah. I refer those out. Um, I want the person to be successful. If it's with someone else, then that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great value to have. Now, speaking of speech writing and helping clients, you know, with with their speeches, and you have this book that's being released today. Would you just quickly tell the the audience about the book? What's the purpose behind the book? And you know, uh, what what is the goal? What what are you hoping that uh, whoever buys this book, what are they going to get out of it? Sure, the book is called Toast. Short speeches, big impact. And people buy the book if they are looking to craft a toast for any memorable occasion, whether it's a wedding, a retirement, an award speech, a promotion speech, a birthday or anniversary toast. It's going to lay out the same system that I use with my clients, except Mm -hmm. in book form, to write a short speech. Mm -hmm. And that's the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book are real speeches that people have given in their lives that show you great examples of speeches you can mimic in terms of their structure or some of their ideas as well. So you get really two great things with this book. You get my process that's been working incredibly well, but you also get a set of real speeches that you can use for inspiration. And it's currently $3.99 on Amazon right now, which is probably the lowest it's ever going to be unless there are future sales. Uh, So I would suggest uh, going over there and getting it as soon as you can. Yes, before that price hike, you want to make sure you get in there while you can. Um, so, with the focus on special occasion, you know, speaking, um, what are typically the types of speeches? So, if someone contacts you and they need help, is it mostly like wedding toasts or, you know, just kind of go through what are the different types of speeches that you're talking about specifically? And, and, you know, what, what maybe are some some key highlights that you could talk about you know with the audience as far as some things that you might want to focus on if you do end up in a position of writing one of these types of special occasion speeches sure i would say about 25% of the speech requests i get are for special occasions um mm-hmm. and that really goes for wedding toasts retirements Um, Even graduation speeches, um, now that Mm -hmm. we're getting super close to graduation for high school and college students across the country. Uh, So for a lot of those toasts, what I tell people is that you have two goals. You want to honor the person that you're toasting, and you want to honor the event. And if you can do those two things with your toast, you're going to have a really good time in what you are uh, trying to achieve. And the way you honor people and honor events is a lot of times it's through storytelling, where if you can come up with great stories that honor people and that tell about the obstacles people have overcome or why they mean so much to you or just the why they are your favorite person in your life, telling those types of stories about a person is truly going to honor them and it's going to make for a great toast. Yeah, yeah. So that's a long journey from being in a mock trial, right? Where you're having to make arguments and you're appealing to logic, right? I guess we're we're kind of going from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? Appealing to logic versus that emotional type of appeal. But were there any skills that you developed, you know, when you were a student and you were, you know, engaged in these mock trials? Did you find that 
there were still skills that you were able to develop then that you're using now as, as a speech writer, focusing on the other end of the spectrum with it's more of an, an emotional appeal type of speech versus a logical appeal type of speech? Sure. It's interesting, though. Um, a lot of the opening statements and closing arguments we had to give were um, very story-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the biggest skill that I took from that activity was wrapping everything inside of a story because the story mm-hmm. can set the emotions for what it is that you want to tell. And people simply just remember stories better than facts or information. So it's much yeah. easier to wrap things up in a story and use that. And then mm-hmm. second, it was just preparation. It was learning mm-hmm. how to prepare to give a speech and to give one that looked like you were giving it on the fly, when in fact, you had actually prepared many of the types of speech that you could have given. And because you were so well prepared before you gave your speech, you were more relaxed and confident when you gave it. And that increased the overall delivery and the overall emotion with the speech. Are you wanting to start a podcast, but don't know where to begin? Afraid you don't have the technical know-how to produce one? Trust me, I felt the same. The good news is I found the perfect program, and if I can do it, trust me, you can do it. The user-friendly program I'm talking about is called Alitu, the podcast maker. Alitu is an online platform that uses very simple drag-and-drop tools designed specifically for podcasters. You can edit an entire show literally in minutes, which gives you more time to create more content and concentrate on growing your audience. Don't worry about buying special equipment either. Just use what you have. And if you're worried about sound quality, Alidu automatically cleans your audio so you sound crisp and clean. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, stop thinking and start doing. And if you're using another editing tool, but you are not quite happy with it, I say give Alitu a try by clicking on the link in the show notes. Yet you cannot underemphasize the importance of preparation in public speaking. You know, just being a, a, a speech teacher, right, in the classroom, that was one of the things that I would always emphasize. The best gift that you can give yourself is to prepare. Just make sure that you give yourself enough time not only to write that speech, but also to deliver that speech, practice it, you know, so that you're comfortable and confident with that presentation. So uh, what are some of the, you know, when, when you get a client and let's say, you know, because it is, uh, we're getting close to graduation, right? And let's say you get someone who contacts you and they're the valedictorian or something, and they're expected to make this, this huge speech. Um, take me through that process. Like what are those conversations like? Because it can be really overwhelming to hear, well, you know, just pick, pick something, pick a story that has impacted you in some way, or, or pick a story that would encompass your values, you know, in some way. So how do you help them narrow down that focus so that they can find that, that one particular story that's, that's going to make the impact that they need it to make in that moment? Sure. When I think about graduation speeches, I really think about the word gratitude a lot. And I ask people, to whom are you grateful? Who was Mm -hmm. instrumental in getting you across that stage? 
Mm-hmm. And I think from there, you can start to figure out a lot of the stories that you want to tell, stories about a particular teacher, stories about a particular parent or family member in your life, stories mm-hmm. about a school administrator. And chances are the other people in the crowd, if that person had an impact on you, they've had that impact on the others that are graduating with you. So I really like to start at gratitude and talk there with the person. And that really helps lay the foundation for everything that they want to say in their speech. And those types of speeches tend to come off a lot better. You're not bragging about your accomplishments as the valedictorian. Instead, you're giving thanks for the people that helped you along the way, because chances are it was not a solo act. There were many people that helped you get those high grades. Most likely you were part of extracurricular activities. You know, there was mom and dad who took you to and from, you know, soccer practice or grandma or an uncle that helped you do that. Um, So there were many people in your life that helped you get on that stage. And that's where I start is gratitude. That really gives them a lot of, I I don't know, it's, it gives them permission. It kind of takes the pressure off of it being about them really in a way. Like you just said, you can highlight the people in your life who helped you get to where you are right now. So it's not just like all about me, 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 and all the great things that I've done to to get to this point in time, but to really be able to highlight others along in that journey. Um, what a fantastic way to go about that. And I'm thinking about applications in the business world as well. Um, do you give similar advice? Let's say, you know, you're, you're the leader of an organization and now, you know, you're preparing for that town hall meeting, right? So you know that you're going to have to give, you know, maybe a a 10 minute speech at the very beginning. And the whole goal is to kind of motivate the workers, right? Motivate the, the workforce. Um, do you provide similar um, advice to, to leaders as well? Or do you kind of add in a different element? You know, what would be your advice there? I think for the business context, a lot of the same ideas ring true. You want to show gratitude. You want to be humble. But then you also want to be able to anticipate the audience's questions. And when I think about a town hall, I think about not, not necessarily confrontation, but it's going to be more of people wanting key information and key strategy and clear direction about what's happening next with the company. So what you should mm-hmm. do in that, you know, in in that instance is definitely work to anticipate all of the questions that you think are going to be asked. A lot of times mm-hmm. people can submit questions ahead of time for a town hall and those are really effective ways of gauging where the audience is at and what they're trying to understand and know, but you have to read between the lines and read the context of the situation to say okay, what's truly on their minds right now that if I can answer that in my speech is going to put their minds at ease and put us all in a much better place where I then can motivate. Because if you've got outstanding questions that have not been answered, no amount of motivation is going to help people until they have those questions resolved. So resolving a lot of those questions is going to be a key thing that you're going to want to do in the business context. Mm, that is such a great piece of advice right there. You're right, that Q&A, being prepared for that. And if you're not answering those questions that are existing out there in the workforce, you're right, no matter how much posturing you do, right? At the very beginning, those questions are going to be on their mind. So be be willing and ready to to address those. And if you can put that into the speech ahead of time, that is a valuable piece of advice for for leaders. 
Um, what about other special occasions, you know, like, um, let's say if someone close to you has passed away, you know, um, this is probably one type of speech that so many are hesitant to think about because it's an unpleasant thing to think about. Right. But unfortunately it's a part of life and every single one of us is going to experience loss, you know, at some point if we have not already experienced loss. So what kind of, I guess, advice would you give to someone who's facing this type of type of experience right now, the passing of a loved one, you know, they have a, a funeral coming up or a memorial service and they, they're just at a loss uh, for words right now. What what could you say to them in this moment to kind of help them get started on that important, you know, it, it is, it's, it's an important uh, opportunity to be able to express, you know, uh, what you need to express in that moment in time. How do we get them started on that? Yeah. So eulogies are tough. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. Um, they're yeah. not one of my favorite speeches to write. I write very few of them, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. And still give some advice. It does go back mm -hmm. to honoring the person and honoring the event. Mm -hmm. You want to think back through the person's life that you're honoring and think what lessons have they taught you um, about, about life? What can we take from their own life to live our lives in a better way? So how can we see their life as instructive for our own? And then you also want to think about the tone of your message as well, matching that of the service. You know, some memorial services mm -hmm. are very somber, and then others are like true celebrations of life. And they're very, I guess, upbeat and, and mm -hmm. joyful um, to an extent. And you're going to want to have a message that matches the, the tone of that service as well. But you really want to think back. And if you're really stuck for ideas, this is when you reach out to people that also knew that person. Friends, mm -hmm. families, coworkers, don't do this alone. Reach out to them and say, hey, what was your favorite memory of this person? What was the favorite thing that they always said? What was their favorite piece of advice to give to people? And I'm sure by doing that method, you're going to find a lot of different ideas and stories and just so much content that you're going to be in a good spot trying to whittle it all down into your speech. But definitely don't go it alone. Work with other people on it. And it's going to, I think, help in the grieving process too, to an extent. You know, saying that, it reminds me of how uh, the importance that a sense of community plays, you know, in, in a time like that. And so while, you know, everyone who's grieving in that moment, your, your grieving is very personal, right? Um, and you may feel like you are alone in that grief, but I would think by reminding them that, you know, talk to people and, and find out what are their favorite memories? What's a favorite story that you have that kind of opens the doors for you to have maybe some conversations that you need to have, you know, with everyone who has this one person in, in common and might even be a very therapeutic, you know, type of experience to share these stories. And I think that takes the pressure off of you, you know, again, being able to share other stories and, and think about how it connects everyone in that moment. That's, that's a beautiful piece of advice that I think it's not only helpful to, to write the speech, but it's probably just even helpful for the relationships you know, at the end of the day. 
Um, and do you find really that's what speech writing is all about, right? It's just, it's it at the end of the day, it's about relationships and how do we express, you know, whatever our thoughts are about those relationships. Um, Very much. It's whether it's I'm working with someone and I see it as a partnership or it's the relationship between the speaker and the audience, being mm -hmm. able to answer the audience's questions, concerns, feelings. If you can acknowledge what those things are and identify them and speak to them, it's a relationship. It's, it might be a temporary one, but it's a relationship nonetheless. And if you can honor that, you're going to be in a great spot to give a speech. Yeah. Now, what kind of advice do you give, you know, because uh, because you and I being speechwriters, we know that it's very important to have organization, right? We can have all of these thoughts thrown down on paper and each individual thought can be a beautifully written thought. But the whole piece, if it's just kind of like this jumbled up uh, hodgepodge of thoughts together, it's not really going to make much sense, you know, to the audience that's listening to, to that presentation. So what kind of advice do you give in terms of the structure itself of the speech? So let's say I've thought about, you know, yeah, I've given it some thought. I think there are, you know, a couple of great stories in here that I want to highlight for my presentation, but you know, now how do, how do I get started? How do, how do I actually start my speech? What kind of advice do you give? It really comes down to the type of speech that you are trying to give. I think there I've got different structures for a wedding toast versus, let's say, a keynote presentation or maybe more of kind of like an inaugural address. Okay. So if you're trying to change minds or persuade people, I really like Monroe's motivated sequence, where if I can get this right, it's introduction, background, problem, solution, and then visualization of the solution. Mm -hmm. um, if you can do it that way, where you are trying to present an idea and you want to change minds, that's one method you can go for for organization. Whereas mm -hmm. with a wedding toast, it's a lot different where you're there to honor a person. What I would do is tell one great story and then address both members of the wedding couple with a heartfelt message and then end with some advice and then a cheers with a one to two line quote. So it really, I think, depends on the type of speech that you're giving. Um, and that's going to determine your structure overall. Yeah, um, that is excellent advice. Because if you have this call to action speech where you are trying to convince your audience to do something or you want them to just agree with you, you, know, you want them to sign this petition or whatever it is you're trying to convince them to do versus just celebrating you know, and, and honoring this, this person in this moment two completely different goals, you know, for those two different types of speeches. So I think that is very helpful to understand that the goal behind the speech um, can also help you identify how you're going to organize, you know, the, the speech itself. Um, so let's talk about that. The let's, let's break this down because you had mentioned more of like the call to action type of speech and, and Monroe's motivated sequence. And, um, being a speech teacher, I very much appreciate you bringing that up because I've talked about that as well with Monroe's Motivated Sequence being um, a very good tool to use if you're yes. having to persuade, you know, you want to do a, a call to action, you know, type of speech. Um, 
how do you help someone, uh, let's say you decide, you know what, you, you have this call to action, let's use Monroe's motivated sequence. Um, what kind of advice do you give them in terms of, okay, we got to describe what this problem is, and then we'll get into the solution and visualize, you know, how much of this should be logic versus how much of this should be emotion? Because both of those are going to be important, right, in a call to action speech. So how do you get them to balance that out? It's the Amazon you love, but for work. Make workplace procurement easier with convenient delivery options, simplified purchasing workflows, multiple payment options, and a competitive marketplace with business-only pricing and quantity discounts. Anyone who makes purchases for work like procurement specialists, office administration, IT departments, for example, can create a free account for their business. Create your free business account today by clicking on the link in the show notes. That's, that is that is a tough, tough call, um, to be honest. Mm -hmm. it, so a lot of it, I guess, to bring it back to how I work with clients, we spend a lot of time in the brainstorming and discovery phase mm -hmm. of trying to write a speech. And that's where a lot of these ideas are going to come from to determine how much logic do they have versus how many stories and emotions that they have. So it's really a gut check at first to figure out how much information is there and what mm -hmm. to do with it. So if the person is completely heavy on logic, I will start asking them for more stories to say, hey, can you put that in a story form? What's a case study of that? What is a story from history that illustrates that principle? So I can, I can come at the information a different way. But if the person is completely on the other opposite end of the spectrum where all they have are just stories and no research, that's when I tell them, look, you're the expert here. Where do I go to find information that's actually going to support your views? Where are the blogs and the research and the books that support these great stories that you have? So you want to make sure that people are balancing those two things out. And that very much happens during the brainstorming phase when I'm working with a client very early on. Because if I don't have enough of either one, the logic or the emotion, the speech isn't going to work. And so I just mm. get a judgment call for how much I need of each one, um, depending on what type of point the person's trying to get across. Yeah. Something very, very important that you've said that I want to make sure we emphasize is brainstorming. Yeah. So it's it's important to understand it's not like, hey, I'm going to call up Eddie and we're going to work on this speech and boom, within 20 minutes, we're going to have this awesome speech written, right? It's that, <laughs> that ain't how it happens, no. you know, so you can spend, I mean, you really do have to spend a lot of time on the front end, narrowing down your ideas, figuring out, you know, your goal behind this speech. There's so much that goes into that. Um, all that behind the scenes kind of stuff. So on average, when you work with a client, and, and I know that is probably going to be different depending on the type of speech, right, that they're needing help with. But on average, how many meetings would you say you have with a client um, before you even get to the point where they've, or you've helped them kind of create, you know, a, a decent speech? It still needs some work, but at least you have the framework there. You know, how much time do you spend on the front end? in the, um, in the ideation phase? 
if it's a wedding toast, so if we're talking maybe five to seven minutes in length, it can just be one to two meetings over the phone along with a brainstorming questionnaire. Those go fairly fast in terms of here are the stories the person wants to tell. Here's the advice. Here's the ending quote they want to use. And it kind of writes itself, to to be honest. Um, not to say that these are somehow easy, but at the same time, I think they're more straightforward types of speeches versus a TEDx talk. That's going to be at least four hour long brainstorming sessions to get mm -hmm. out all of the ideas. Um, and I work with my friend Elena at Red Dot Stage to put these talks together. And it'll take us to talk through to brainstorming session three or four until we have a really good idea of what it is the person wants to actually talk about and say in their TEDx talk. And that's not to say that the first few sessions aren't helpful. They really are. It just helps kind of get the, the, the chaff out. I'll get the let out um, of whatever the person is trying to say. And it also builds a relationship between the speechwriters and the speaker that way too, where people are less guarded in brainstorming session three or four, where they truly let out some of their best ideas. And that's really when the magic starts to happen. Yes, yes. So uh, there are going to be different levels of difficulty depending on the, the type of speech. And you had mentioned, you know, doing a TEDx, TEDx talk. And I hear so many people say, oh, you know, I could never do a TEDx talk, you know, it, and there are some amazing TEDx talks out there. And the ones that are the most popular ones, of course, they make it look effortless, right? They do. They make it look easy. But, you know, you have had the experience, right, where just like you're saying, you could have four or five meetings before that person is even able to kind of finalize what is what is it that I'm trying to say? What is it that I want to talk about? Um, so I guess the lesson there is if you've always wanted to do a TED Talk, you know, number one, don't give up so easily. If you sit down in one sitting and you're like, well, I have nothing to say. It doesn't look like I'm, I'm ever going to be able to achieve that goal, you know, that I set for myself. <laughs> right. 100%. It's not, it's not yeah. <laughs> so if the, the ones that we have seen that have been phenomenal TED Talks, there have been so many hours and hours and hours of brainstorming and throw that idea out the window and start, start anew, start fresh, and then, you know, see if we can't work on that one as well. And, you know, and, and then, then write that speech out. Um, so it, let's say someone does want to have a Ted talk, right? That's mm -hmm. a goal of so many people now. And I'm sure that people contact you to help them, you know, figure, figure out that journey. Um, you said maybe before you get to actually solidifying the idea, it could be four or five, maybe six meetings. Let's say once we figured out what that topic idea is and what their goal is for that speech, what are the next steps? Take us through that process. Um, you know, now they're going to sit down and really do the work of getting that idea pen to paper. How do you help them through that process? Well, usually that's the part that I take on myself where I start writing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wish I could give a really good like step-by-step -step, you know, method to actually write out the talk. What I would say instead mm -hmm. is if you're, trying, if you're sitting there trying to figure out how to write your talk after you've brainstormed all of these ideas, I would go and watch other similar TED Talks to the topic mm -hmm. that you want to give. And I would look for their structure, ask yourself, okay... 
well, how did this person open their talk? How, how did they transition from one idea to the next? Do they have a three-part structure? Do they rely heavily on storytelling? Are they using a lot of analogies and metaphors? And you start mm. breaking down these famous TED Talks that are out there, and you're going to start to see patterns in a lot of them for how they constructed them. And that'll give you a clue as to what structure you may want to pursue as well with your TED Talk. Yes. So approach this like a student, right? A, a student of speeches. Um, just like if, if anybody wants to be a writer, you know, the best way to be a writer is to be a reader, right? Yes. Read a lot <laughs> and do something similar. You're kind of de deconstructing, right? Um, the, the passages that you're reading. So what you're saying is in, you know, in public speaking, it's the same thing. If you want to be an effective speaker, especially if you want to give a TED talk, watch those TED talks and begin to deconstruct them and, and see the, the different nuances that they have, you know, in those TED, what's working, what doesn't work, you know, what speaks to you, what doesn't speak to you. Um, so, so you really do need to be an avid consumer, I guess, of, of, that type of uh, communication. You know, if you want to be a good speaker, watch, watch a lot of speeches. If you want to be a good writer, you know, read a lot of writing so that you can deconstruct that. Um, so, you know, anyone who's watching this and you have a special uh, presentation coming up, this is your opportunity to talk to the expert here and get that advice, um, you know, whether it's a, a birthday coming up or a, a um, TED Talk. Hey, get some you know extra advice on the TED Talk if you have... Um, I guess a, a toast, a wedding coming up, all of those, uh, feel free to make a comment or ask a question, you know, um, that way we can help you while we're at it. So, um, Eddie, you know, talking about public speaking and, and, in speech writing, what do you like about being a speech writer? Cause I imagine a lot of people out there when they think about speech writing, um, it's probably very similar to what they think about just writers in general. You're kind of hunched over your computer, you know, in a dark room all alone for hours on end, you know? So what, what draws you to the world of speech writing? What do you enjoy about it? It's working with the clients. So I'm someone who does not um, sit around, I guess, sit behind a computer the entire time when doing a speech for somebody. There are speech writers and writers out there who just email with clients, who never get on the phone. But I found getting on the phone, getting on a Zoom call with someone to learn their ideas, um, there's just so much more connection that way mm. with talking to people. And it's getting to really interview very, very smart, capable people who have great ideas. And it's just helping them shepherd those ideas into a speech. So I get to learn about various industries that I never thought would have existed. And I get to just learn new things about the world. And I get to help people communicate about it. That's what I love just tremendously about speech writing. And every single client that I've had has just been absolutely wonderful. Now, of course, there's a few that I may not work with ever again in the in the world, but I would say 99.99% have been absolutely wonderful clients to work with. And I've just worked with some of the best people in terms of expectations, working the process, being a true partner in creating speeches. It's all been just wonderful and fun. 
Oh, that's awesome. So it sounds like it's just really fulfilling for you to be able to work with different people and learn their stories and kind of help them along this journey. Um, that's really awesome to hear that. So as a speechwriter, you know, we just said it ourselves. If you want to be a good speaker, watch a lot of speeches. If you want to be a good writer, you know, read a lot of passages. So as a speechwriter, do you do the same? Like, are there certain speechwriters or I guess speeches? Like, what's your process? Like, how have you learned to hone your craft, you know, following that that same type of logic? Do you so have I'll anyone that you kind of think about? Uh, Early on in my career, I watched a lot of speeches um, to figure out what it is that I wanted to write. So if I was writing a wedding toast, I would go to YouTube, Google wedding toast and figure out how people were giving wedding toasts. Same mm -hmm. thing with mm -hmm. TED Talks and same thing with po political stump speeches when I worked for a few politicians. Um, so same idea where I would just watch a lot of speeches and break down what they were doing. Uh, my favorite's probably... Ronald Reagan's Challenger address. So mm, the um, yes. the address he gave on the tragedy of the Challenger astronauts, mm -hmm. um, he had to scrap the State of the Union that evening. And they had that speech written in just under like a few hours. And he mm -hmm. gave a eulogy to the nation. And I thought just in terms of how it was put together and the poetry within it, it's probably one of the, my best like go-to speeches when I need something for a more somber occasion. Um, right. But it's just incredible how they put it together and what they did with it. And it's kind of stuck in our collective memories for those that were alive when it happened yeah. or near near when it happened. Um, it's just one of those, I think, standout speeches that we can learn a lot from. Yeah, yeah. And and I agree. I, I think that's one of my favorite speeches to talk about in the classroom as well as one of those go-to lessons learned because there were so many different audiences that those speech writers kept in mind that they wanted to reach out to, you know, not only the families, you know, the, of the astronauts, you know, not only just the nation as a whole, but um, the children who were watching it. I was one of those kids, right? Watching it live, you know, as it unfolded and, you know, the teachers who were in the classrooms and the NASA workers themselves, you know, who were having to deal with this. So um, I agree. That's a wonderful example of the type of speech that you can write or that you can watch when you're looking, you know, for some type of inspiration for yourself. Um, Larry is joining us from Facebook and he has a question. He says, I hate writing for writing's sake. If that's a thing, is there a secret that can help me develop a rhythm for writing something I'm not passionate about, but am required to write? Oh, wow. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, it, and this isn't just a question that I'm sure students everywhere are also, you know, wondering the same thing, but in the workplace, you know, sometimes we are required to write something that we're not really that motivated to, to get through it. So what kind of advice would you, would you give someone in this position? Like what Larry's in? I think I've got two ideas here and we'll see how they work. Um, so Larry, I apologize if you know neither of them work, but I hope both of them will. Um, <laughs> one is to work a little bit harder to figure out what it is that could interest you about the topic. So I think mm -hmm. it goes back to, you know, why are you writing this in the first place? Why are you, um, what's the motivation for this piece of writing, you know, initially? And just keep asking. Um, I think th this is an entrepreneurship thing, but it's called the five whys. And you ask the question why five times 
about what it is that you are trying to either solve a problem or write about, you could do that. And you could just ask the question, why, five times. It may frustrate you, but you may get down to something deeper that you learn what is the motivation. It might be that your boss is truly motivated about this. And because you want your boss to succeed, you want to succeed as well. And then second, it might just be a mechanical thing where what I'm saying is um, it may help if you try to just answer the question out loud rather than just type it up. So what I mean is say it out loud, the answer you're trying to get across and record it in a voice app and see if that comes easier to you than simply writing something out. I do this when I'm stuck about what to say for a speech. I will start talking out loud and starting to compose the speech out loud. And that will help me um, start to formulate my thoughts and ideas. So sometimes I have complete writer's block when I sit down at the keyboard. But if I can start talking, then it becomes just a lot easier. And I just kind of imagine that it's really just a meeting that I'm having with an imaginary client that I'm doing as well. So you could be thinking about this other person that you're writing to, having a conversation with them, and talking it out loud. And that might get some ideas flowing versus just trying to write it out, which, you know, sometimes the words just don't come. I wanted to take advantage of this quick break and tell you about communication 24 seven. My passion is helping organizations solve their most difficult communication issues by helping their workforce become better communicators. Those under my guidance develop more effective verbal, nonverbal, and written communication skills. I help executives identify what poor communication is doing to their organization and what poor communication is doing to their staffing. I then provide the tools needed to help address those problems. My clients discover their communication strengths, learn to adapt to others' communication styles, and become more confident and competent communicators and dynamic public speakers. If you want to improve employee morale, create collaborative and efficient teams, and strengthen your organizational culture, contact me at 912-421-9762 or email me at info at communication247.com. That is valuable advice right there. Um, because in order to be able to think, sometimes we have to, we have to speak those words out loud, right? It kind of, it, it, it enables us to think about what it is that we need to think about. So sometimes, you know, when we talk about that writer's block, I think that's a great piece of advice to just kind of talk it out and, and record yourself. And maybe those, that ideation, you know, the, the flow, you know, will happen from, from that verbally rather than just trying to type something out and force it out. Um, I think another way to go about that as well is to, you know, when, whenever you're writing uh, anything and keeping in mind, who is the audience that I'm writing this for? You know, who's going to be reading this? And instead of thinking of it as, you know, what is it that I need to be writing or what is it that I need to be saying, you know, in this speech, if it's a speech that you're writing, um, flip that and instead ask yourself, what is it that the audience needs to know about this? Or what is it that the audience should understand, you know, about this topic? Or what are some of the questions the audience might want answered, 
you know, about this topic. And I think kind of taking a step back and looking at it from that point of view, that could also open up some doors that maybe, you know, uh, you haven't thought about um, during the, the writing process, you know, especially if you're writing about something that you're not necessarily that excited about or that passionate about. So it kind of, it takes you out of the front seat and, and puts the audience in the front seat. And so it's really, it really becomes about them and what it is that they need to know about this. And I guess whether it's an audience of one or a thousand, right? Exactly. I love that <laughs> advice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So Larry says thumbs up. So hopefully that will get awesome. you <laughs> jump started on some stuff. Um, thanks for that question. Um, yeah, that's that was really uh, good advice out there with with the uh, the vocalizing some of the ideas as well. Sometimes when we're writing, we think we're stuck with just the writing aspect, and we forget we have multiple ways to communicate. And sometimes a different way of communicating will enable us to have different ideas about what to say. Yeah. In that moment. Um, so Eddie, what are some other pieces of advice? What are some golden nuggets that you have hidden in your book? Now, I don't want you to give the whole thing away because of course we're going to encourage everyone to go and purchase the book because of course it's going to be a very valuable, um, item that I think anybody who's interested in, in writing a speech. And even if you don't think you have a speech coming up soon, at some point we, we all have an opportunity out there, you know, that, that we might need to write a, a presentation for a special occasion. So what would you say are, are maybe your, your top two or three, you know, golden nuggets that are, are within your book that we would want to mine for and, and learn about? So this one is pretty quick in the book and you might miss it. And I don't want anyone to actually miss it because it's actually a pretty good tip to use. If you feel like you're stuck writing a speech, Instead, try to write a letter to the person that you are addressing. We can all write a letter. We can all sit down and write an email. We can write a letter that expresses our thoughts and feelings. So what you should do is just write that letter that you've wanted to write to that person and then give it as a speech and see how well it works for you. Uh, so that's definitely one uh, hidden nugget that's in the book um, that I really like a lot and it's resonated. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that is brilliant. Hmm. Write a letter. Okay. I'm going to let that marinate for a little bit. I love that idea. And it's so person, it's so personable, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when you think about the act of writing a letter to someone, it's such a, a, a deep personal thing to, to put that down on paper, whatever it is that you want to say to that person. So what an excellent way to kind of open up the, the ideas for that. Um, what's another golden nugget? Uh, second, it's to know your speaking rate um, as as uh, as you're trying to plan out how long you want to give your speech. So people speak typically around 150 words per minute. And if you know that amount of how much time you have to speak, you'll know how many words you're going to have to write for your speech. So mm -hmm. a three-minute speech is about 450 words on the mm -hmm. paper. Um, five minutes is about 750 words, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do that real that's, quick in my head. Yeah, that's actually really good to know because, you know, how many times I'm sure everyone out there has experienced this where you're trying to write something down, you know, you're going to have to talk about it. And then you end up writing this 10 page essay 
and then you find out, oh, this is going to actually take me about, you know, a half an hour. And I only have five minutes (laughs) to say what I need to say. No one wants to listen. Those of you who, whether you're listening to this now or you're going to listen to it later on, um, for the love of all that is holy, you have a wedding toast. Do not get up there and go on for like 45 minutes. Okay. (laughs) Please don't. So leave the 10 page essay behind. This is valuable advice. So about 150 words per minute, average talk time, do the math. That'll kind of give you a really good indication of how long, how many words that you might want to put down on that piece of paper. Um, What a great way to, to begin that. Or else you're just going to have to go back and start slashing and burning and editing. And that's, that's no fun. Um, so that actually leads me to another question. So how long do you recommend for these different types of speeches? You know, we've spent some time talking about wedding toasts and eulogies and, you know, in the workplace, let's say you have a, you know, motivating talk that you have to give. Um, what advice do you have? Like about how long should these talks be? I think most toasts and ceremonial speeches can be done in under 10 minutes and should be done Mm -hmm. in under 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So especially the wedding toast, I would shoot for five minutes, just given Mm -hmm. how many other speakers are going to be at the reception, because it's not Mm -hmm. just you, it's the other person who's going to be toasting the maid of honor, the best man, the parents of the bride or the groom, or the brides or the grooms, however you want to do it. Um, And you, you have a lot of people to get through. So you want your, sh- your toast to be on the shorter side. But even in a business context, if you're talking about an opening ceremonies type toast or a sales conference speech, you know, 10 to 15 minutes at the most, people do not like to listen for long periods of time to speeches. Um, they're really going by the wayside, these longer keynotes, and instead are getting replaced by speeches plus Q&A sessions um, as well. For TED Talks, it's really going to be um, dependent upon the organizer and the event. Um, Some of them will give you a time limit of 12 minutes. Others go with the typical TED Talk tradition, I think, of 17 or 18 minutes. But you have to watch out um, that you you still stay within those parameters. 100%. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Time management. You're right, Larry. Time management. (laughs) That is so important. So go into it knowing that you have a very specific time frame that you need to meet. Um, You know how many words per minute the average person will will speak. So let that be your guide. Write the speech. Um, What do you think, Eddie, to memorize or not to memorize? That is the question. So what's your advice on that? Because that comes up a lot. Yes, it does. I think what people are scared about are a few things. One is forgetting everything. And then two, on the other end, sounding too robotic. So they aren't Mm -hmm. sure whether they should memorize or not. What I suggest is what's called scaffolded memorization. So it's this technique that I've learned and used where you write out your entire speech that you want to give word for word. You get used to giving that type of speech multiple times. You get just you internalize the words that you want to say. Then you create another um, outline from that text that just has the big ideas in it. Then you give your speech again, just using the big ideas that are on the paper. Then you repeat the process over and over again with a shorter and shorter outline, giving your speech from that outline each time. And you'll have found by the end of the process that you've got a memorized speech, but it doesn't sound too rehearsed. 
So it gives you this balance of still having some notes, but at the end of the day, you have um, internalized most of the speech that you wanted to give. So it gives a good balance between the two spectrums. Yeah. Um, so I'm hearing this takes time. It takes yes. effort. <laughs> There's no easy way out of this, is there? Is there is there an easy way out of this, or you just you just got to put in the work? You got to put in the work, but there are some things that make it easier. Um, obviously, the book that I wrote, but also I would suggest going to Toastmasters. Um, it's a public speaking meeting group that meets once a week, and they meet worldwide. So just Google Toastmasters in your city, and you'll find a group that's near you. And you get a chance to practice your public speaking skills every week with this group. Whether it's a prepared speech or an impromptu speech, you get public speaking practice regularly in a supportive and affirming environment. Um, so it's just probably one of the best uses of your time and money if you're looking to become a better speaker. I think I just paid my monthly dues. And for six months, I think it was $45 total. Which, if you calculate that against any type of public speaking coach out there, you're paying a few hundred dollars per hour for their time. So you're getting that same type of feedback and practice for a much lower rate in what I think is one of the best bargains ever. Yes, that that right there. Um, you have to surround yourself with people who uh, can give you the advice that you need in order to continue working on this craft because public speaking is a skill just like any other skill. You got to work at it to get better at it. But having people around you who not only understand how to give effective feedback to help you hone that craft, but they're not afraid to give you that feedback. Because, you know, right. I think one of the downside, if you want to practice in front of your friends or your family, that's all well and good, you know, just to kind of get it out there. But really, can you trust that that person who's listening to your speech, are they really going to give you the advice that is going to take you to that next level? You know, and that really is the goal for Toastmasters is to really help you hone that craft of, of public speaking. And so, you know, it's important to surround yourself with people who not only know how to, to give that feedback effectively, but they're, they're not afraid, you know, um, because everybody understands that this is all in the interest of everyone is learning from this and everyone is going to continue to improve. You know, there is no such thing as a, a perfect speech, right? Or a, a perfect speaker. I mean, everybody's going to make a mistake at some point. Um, so I think that's another valuable piece of advice for, for anyone who's listening right now is give yourself permission to be human. And in the moment, if you do happen to stutter a word or you forget something and you've got to move on to the next thing, don't make a big deal out of it, right? Just, just continue marching on and the audience is going to be with you and they're going to continue listening. You know, if you do make a big deal out of it, then they're going to know, oh, let's make a big deal out of it. You know, so give yourself permission to be human. Don't be afraid. Don't think that this has to be this this perfect masterpiece in order for it to be effective. Because I think like what Eddie has has been saying all along, you know, the the magic is in the storytelling. It's in the connection. You know, think about the relationship aspect of it and let that be the guide. Um so Eddie, we have about five minutes left. We're going to have to start wrapping this up. So what, what I would like is to kind of just give you the last, last few minutes to, 
you know, say a little bit more about your book or your website? How do people contact you if, if they want to? You know, what, what's all the good stuff, those final parting words of wisdom that you have for everyone as well? Sure. Uh, once again, the book can be found on Amazon.com. It's called Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact by Eddie Rice. And you can find me at Rice Speech Writing, R-I-C-E, just like the food and the word speechwriting.com. Uh, you'll find my website there. There's a contact form at the bottom. Fill it out and I'll be in touch with you very quickly. And we can usually typically work together um, on almost any project. And if our, our schedules don't match or we don't match, I have a group of writers who I can refer you out to as well, who are just as good, if not better than me at this whole whole game. Um, <laughs> but any parting words of advice for everyone out there is to remember with any toast, your goal is to honor the person and honor the event. If you hit those two goals with any toast, you will have made a lasting impression. I love it. And all that information we're going to have in the show notes that'll be available when, uh, of course, this is live right now, but I always like to repackage it and put it out on all the podcast platforms. So um, if you didn't catch the website and, and all the contact information, it will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to see that copy and paste it into your your. Uh, uh, into the web and you'll be able to, to reach Eddie, you know, at, at any moment in time, Eddie, thank you so much for being a part of the communication 24 seven podcast. I know I learned a lot from you and I've been doing this for a very long time. So I know the audience has definitely learned a lot in terms of not only just the process of speech writing and, you know, the, the ideation and how to organize the speech, but also just some of the, the tools and the information that you've given that I know is available, you know, in the book that today is the release. Yay. So, you know, love it when, when that happens. Um, this has been such a valuable experience for myself. And, and I know for anybody that's going to be listening to this, you know, down the road. So just Thank you. I just want to say thank you for giving your time and imparting this valuable knowledge, sharing of yourself, letting us know and putting this book out to the world. I think it's, you know, it's it's very much needed. And um, just to let you know, Linda is is watching on Facebook and she says, honor the person, honor the event. Good focus. So Thanks, that Linda. has really... Yeah, yeah, that has resonated. So I love that. Honor the person, honor the event. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for asking the questions and making your comments. Um, and uh, yeah, don't be a stranger. We'll be uh, seeing you again real soon. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening to the Communication 24-7 podcast with your host, Jennifer Furlong. You have chosen to spend part of your day with me in your ears and in your headspace, and I appreciate that. I'd like to ask you for a couple of favors. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a rating and a review, because the more ratings and reviews the show has, the higher up the list it will move. Also, please recommend the Communication 24-7 podcast to your family and friends who, let's face it, could probably use some communication skills training anyway. Am I right? And lastly, email me your pressing communication-related questions. I know you got to have some. Email them to info at communication247.com. That's info at communication247.com. That's all, folks. Till next time. Mm -hmm.